0: Hi, and welcome to the 37th episode of the Breaking Free Podcast, a Body, Mind, Spirit Approach to Mental Health. I'm your host, Summer Seitz, and I'm here to talk to you a little bit today about, I'm going to just share a little bit of my own personal journey, um, but I, I hope that you can come with an open mind and an open heart. I think it's an important topic. It's been one I've been dancing around for a while, I think, because it's so personal, um, whether or not I felt comfortable sharing it publicly Um, But I think I felt the green light today, and I am excited to share with you my journey. One of the podcasts I promised in the healing process, and it felt like I was kind of avoiding the elephant in the room, was human growth and sexuality. Of course, as a mental health counselor, I've taken these courses in college. I've worked with couples around human sexuality in all its forms over the many years, and I'm amazed at how much I'm continually learning and growing, and even today, just like new things are shed and new mindsets are stepped into, and this is no different. I think I'm always open to, um, and I'll talk about this today. This concept of shedding, but I'm always co- looking to shed the things that are of me and stepping more fully into my true identity in God. I really believe that healing, wholeness, heaven is really understanding our oneness with God, understanding that we're all one as a human family as well. And I think that's the end goal of almost every path. Now I think that everybody's path to that is different. I think that some of us have more structure to those paths and others have less structure. We all need different things. I was driving home with my daughter and I actually meant this to be kind of snide, which is kind of funny, but I was joking with my husband in the front seat. I'm like, look, if if you want to know anything that's true or not true. Just, just ask your teenagers, right? They have the answers to all things. And so our teenager was explaining the ins and outs of how the world works to my younger daughter in the back seat, and I kind of was laughing that, you know she thinks she has all the answers. So then I asked her, I said, "Hey, what's the purpose of life?" And she thought about it, and she took a moment, she took a deep breath, and she actually answered the question in such a beautiful way that I was taken aback, and I also was humbled. And she just said, you know, mom, I think the purpose of life for everyone is different. You know, everybody has a different purpose here and they're on a different journey. Um, But the purpose is to be on the journey, right? And to move closer uh, to God. And I just just went, wow. (laughs) And a little child shall lead you, right? That's been happening to me a lot lately. I've been taking a step back from paradigms and programming and all the ways that I was told to see the world and saying, I don't want to see it as I see it. God, I want to see it as you see it. I want to just let that go and come afresh with new eyes and and be a new creation in you. And I think this is where real growth happens when you have that kind of surrender. And so I did this with human sexuality. Now I have a story here and I think many of us do. Unfortunately, And again, this isn't the same for everyone. This is just my story. Um, But it's the story of many, many, particularly women that I've worked with over the years, uh, men and women, but I've heard it um, more frequently from women and maybe because they feel more comfortable women to women sharing this with me. But I've heard so many beliefs and stories about who women are in the world and their bodies and how they get to show up in their sexuality Um, that women tell. And often these come from the paradigms they grew up in, whether it be the family system and how they were taught, uh, their religious systems and how they were taught. Um, But they're largely coming from, um, and I'm going to say it boldly, a bit of a male bias, right? There is a male bias. Um, One of the things that I often hear women say is that um, you know, they're, they're not, they're not to be sexual or they're not, that's, that they're, they're not to have those feelings, right? They, they kind of, as a young age, kind of are learning that maybe their sexuality, their body, their parts, their attractiveness is something to be ashamed of or to hide, um, because they don't want to, um, you know, be too attractive or too tempting. And these are the type of words that are used to men. This is this something I often hear from women? Um, they also, feel badly about their sexual desires as if it's not okay for them to have them you know men have them there's that's kind of normalized we have these kind of concepts like boys will be boys which I, again i don't agree with but i hear them and then of course women it's like no they're they're just pure they're put on these pedestals like they don't have these types of feelings whereas we know i mean we know it in biology we know it women are are just as much sexual beings as men are but there's something to be said about how we've been taught maybe that, and again, not, not all of you in the sound of my voice were taught this, this is just my experience, but I was often taught in different ways, both subtly, uh, both, you know, in front of me in actual words and and oftentimes covertly, right. That it wasn't just something that I should be as interested in or um, that it should be something that I should, again, I use the word should a lot because should often speaks to shame that maybe I should be ashamed of or, or, Or fearful of, at the very least, I think it's interesting because when we think about oneness, right? When we think about the idea of being one, and I've been married for twenty years. So again, if you're someone that this is too mature for you, you know, I, I take your you you decide if this is for you or not for you. But my human sexuality, my experience of Of that with my spouse is the most beautiful experience and it's been the one that's taken the most growth to step into. Um, When I first was married, uh, me personally, there's a, you can look it up, but there's this concept called good girl syndrome. And I definitely had it. I had been a very quote unquote good girl according to my religious system. And so I did all the things, you know, I covered my body uh, appropriately. I um, waited to have sexual you know contact with us with you know a person of the opposite sex in my case because I'm heterosexual until I was married um, and I did all those things and I was kind of told a lot of magical thinking that all things would just work themselves out that once I got married and then that door was open and it was now okay to be a sexual person that everything would just now work itself out. And I can tell you, at least for me, that's not how it worked out. And for many of the people I've worked with over the years, that is not how it works out. Because you can't plant a belief into somebody's subconscious, right? You can't plant a belief at a much younger age that sexuality is something to be feared, um, that our bodies are, um, our sexual bodies are something that maybe we should have shame around, and then have that just flip a switch on the day we get married. And of course, it wasn't that way for me. I really had to work through a lot. And I'm grateful for graduate school. I'm grateful for, (laughs) I don't even know how many sessions of counseling right over years, different as I've done my work so that I can be able to do the work with my clients as I've approached the different, I call it shadow work, but the things that I've had to look at in order to grow. And just recently, I've really had to look around, you know, paradigms of maybe the the story of what it means to be a divine feminine woman. What does it mean to show up in femininity? Where did I get that story? And again, I'm not going to define this for you because I think it's very personal. I don't want to be another person defining for another person how they get to show up on their own unique path. But that's my point is that it's a unique path. And I'm a unique person. I'm not a male. I'm a female, right? And I'm not every other female. I'm a unique female in the world. And there's a a, a definite. We might want to make everything binary. You know, you're this or that, but we know in sexuality that there is a continuum, and some people fall in the the bell curve norm. And actually, the reason why there is a bell curve norm is because many people don't. Right, many people don't. Many people are on that scale and have different uh, experiences of sexuality. And again, this isn't a conversation today necessarily about that, but I want you to understand that because whatever your sexuality is within the reach of my voice, I want you to know that it's beautiful, that you're whole and complete, and your sexuality is part of your wholeness. Again, this isn't a gender uh, conversation or sexuality. It's just, again, it's about removing shame because this podcast is about helping people do the process of being healed and free to live from joy, breaking free of things that don't serve, that they need to let go of. And this is just my process. And again, in my case, it was just about recognizing that it was okay for me to define for myself what it meant to be a woman and what felt good for me as a woman and not let systems, parents, society determine that for me. Because what I found is a lot of the things that I was given, didn't bring me joy and honestly moved me further away from the oneness that I believe God was offering me in this area of my life. I want to take you back in time a little bit, um, even further back uh, before I was just to give a sense of kind of how this can happen for a young woman um, and how we can grow forward or man, because you have, I feel like this is not a conversation of men against women, I want you to know, I absolutely love men, divine masculine. I feel like men, when you're not one with, when we don't create concepts of equality, right? And, and oneness between men and women, we're equally robbing men and women, right? Because we have this ability to be deep connected partners. And when we create hierarchies or we create one up, one down kind of relationships, it equally hurts men and women. I'm not suggesting that it's not harder maybe on some level to be the power down person. But what I've learned is that, um, I was listening to some podcasts. the women, women find ways to find their power back anyways. And we sometimes, um, grab it in ways that aren't healthy for us too. And I find that, um, this concept of divine feminine that we'll be talking about in this podcast moving forward, I'm going to have a guest soon to talk about this is something to really look at, right? One of the things I always say to myself, and I'll share this with you. um, I have no notes today. I'm just speaking from my heart is that the world needs to know it's mother. Can I say that clearly? The world needs to know it's mother, right? If, If we took children and we, Said to these children, let's just like our family, like, hey, you have a father, and you have, a, and then they have a father, and that's it, and you don't need to know or have a relationship with anyone other than that. We would know that that was a very important relationship, right? The relationship with their father, but there's an important mirroring for both men and women with their mother, right? And so when we have this kind of taken from uh, religious concepts, um, you know, we we maybe ca- talk about earth. You know, Mother Earth, which how it's often talked about in like Native American traditions, and I believe there's something there. And we we take it and we say it's corrupt or it's broken. Um, we take that away, and I don't know what in the sound of my voice what you believe about you know the image of femininity within God, but I I believe it exists there as equally and as strong as the image of a father does, right? And um, as I've come to understand that for myself, as I've come to embrace that that I exist as a female uh, within God, and that I exist uniquely. My goal isn't to be um, man, right? That's not how I was created in my case. I want to be myself and show up as myself. Then it it gives me permission to start looking at all the ways that maybe men wrote the story, gave the parts, and I'm just acting them out, you know? And I I had to do that inventory. And I call this like a feminist inventory, The word feminist has gotten really bad rap, like as if that's somebody that is a man hater or, you know, out to ruin structures. I'm certainly neither of those things, but it was important for me to take an inventory of the beliefs, the paradigms, the thoughts that were placed within my heart and my mind that did not serve and were not from God, and then do the work of forgiveness. I want you to know that all paths of healing lead to forgiveness. Um... I had to forgive the good people, and I mean men in this sound, in, in this particular instance, I mean men that that and women, because I was taught them from women as well, um, that taught me things that they believed to be true, right? That was to the best of their knowledge. But I think that's why it's really, really important to go to God directly and ask God directly, what's for you? What's not for you? Um, because I think there was a time in my life where some of these ideas really, really served and then they didn't, and I had to be willing to let them go as I grew forward um, into different stages of my life. But let me take you back again. Like I said, uh, when I was about, well, when I was a young teenager, um, I'm a very free spirit. I'm, that's just my natural nature. And I, I taught, um, you know, swimming lessons, and I loved to be out in the pool. I was a lifeguard, and I was very comfortable. Um, no one had taught me to be necessarily ashamed of my body in any way. I, my mom did a good job in just kind of, on some level, being like, "Hey, you know, uh, your parts are beautiful." I did get a sense uh, that I was to use them to attract others, maybe use them, which I didn't love because I feel like they're mine and they're beautiful, but necessarily to be used or manipulated. But I did get some of those kind of senses that I needed to be a certain level of attractive, you know, catch a man. I didn't really love that kind of stuff that I learned. Um, but at least I felt comfortable with myself. Um, and then there started to be messages like um, about what I was wearing. You know, people would say things about uh, whether it was inappropriate or not appropriate. And, and I was confused, um, because I didn't understand why, you know, God would care at all about, you know, what I was wearing, um, if I felt good about it. Right. And, but the message was, well, you're responsible for how other people feel about what you're wearing. And so that really played into uh, my headspace uh, about my body. And I started to have, you know, insecurity and shame and anxiety started to show up I, I had to be taught that anxiety, and I was taught it. I know I'm not. I think that um, dressing appropriately has a place. Don't get me wrong, but I think, um, but I know now is that there's no part of my body that's not modest or beautiful before God. I, I could be naked before God, and that's you know how God created me. You know, clothes are just things that we wear. But I think I'm not gonna go to a a client meeting, you know, without my clothes on and there's appropriate clothing for different things. But what I love is that I get to choose that, right. I get to choose that for myself, um, as an adult. And, um, so there was some of that and I'm not, I think I don't want to go too much more. I think that's enough. But when I was 19 and I was dating seriously, I remember dating a young man who will remain nameless, not my husband, thank goodness. (laughs) And this is why he's not probably, um, but we were out on a date and there was a beautiful girl who, um, it was summertime and she was wearing pretty short shorts and a tank top and she had a beautiful sexual body, right? She's just a beautiful girl. And I looked over at her to admire her. Wow, she's beautiful, right? And not, I wasn't attracted to her. I just you know, saw another woman and I thought she was a beautiful girl. The guy I was dating, I was on a date with him at the time, looked over her hair and he said, I, I will never, he said, wow, I would never let my wife dress like that. And it was like a mic dropped. I actually really liked this guy up until that moment, but the idea that he would let or decide or even put her down about what she was wearing just sickened me. And there was a part of me that just knew that that wasn't okay. And I dropped him like a hot potato. I mean, I don't even think we wanted another date after that. I just kind of made that decision at that moment that I was done uh, dating him. <laughs> and he didn't understand. He actually kind of pursued me for a little while after that. And my mom was even like, what are you doing? Like, this, this guy is really great, you know. And he was on the outside, right? He had all the – checked all the boxes, good-looking, good-looking. Um, he was part of my faith system. I mean, there was a lot of things that he checked the box in, but he didn't see my divinity. He didn't see me. And that was such an important piece that he would see me. And what he what I wanted was someone that would see me and allow me to be free, to be myself. And then I met my husband. And um, I think one of the things, I'm going to be emotional here, that I appreciate the most about him is my ability to be myself and that there's no competition. There's no um, control. There's no, this is the right way to do things and you need to do them and get in line and I'm in charge. There's no dominion over me. We are co-equals in every way. And he would never tell me what to wear or not to wear or what to say or what to do. He just mirrors to me that he trusts me, he believes in me, and that it's my choice. And for me, that's God. That's God, right? The idea that it's your choice and you get to choose how you show up. And there's many beautiful things to choose. And you know what? There's no such thing as failure. There's just learning. You may choose something and it may not feel good. And so you're going to choose something better, but you're not broken. You're not dirty, you know you're none of those things and those types of ideas need to go, <laughs> especially if you're going to heal in human sexuality. So many of the clients that I work with as adults have had stories around um, choices that they made around sexuality when they were children they were younger and then shame got attached to it. And let me tell you when shame gets attached to a choice that you make and they may go, yeah, that wasn't the greatest choice. I was curious, I wanted to learn about something. I was trying to, I try, maybe I learned a, not a lesson. appropriate source, but five times more likely for it to show up. It's like it can't unlink because they were told they were bad or I can't believe you did that or that you'd look at that or that's so terrible. When that shame steps in like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. I am, I am, right? That I am a bad person. Then it becomes, it comes kind of linked in. It becomes part of you, right? Instead of how did that feel? What did you think of that? Did you feel that information was true? You know, maybe that's not for you. You know, you you can explore with someone, right? And one of the things that I often do with my clients when they're healing in this is I have them take an inventory and I'll have you do the same, right? Take an inventory of all the things they believe they were taught to believe about themselves. First of all, as a female or a male, if you're a male, like what, what does it mean to be male? What does it mean to be female? Where did you learn that? How does that mirror God's love? How does that freak mirror? What I call free agency or choice. How does that mirror the highest peace, love, divinity? How does that mirror that to you, or not mirror that to you? Is it bringing you closer to love? Is it bringing you closer to growth and freedom, or is it moving you away? And those are kind of some great ways to look at it, right? And then also, what did they believe about sexuality? Because it's usually tied in. You know, what were they taught about that? What were they taught about um, what their purpose was? Was it about expression? Was it about was it a lot of women? I can only speak to women on this. We're told that they're kind of there to meet the sexual needs of their spouses. Like they, it's as if they're responsible for um, how they're how the other person is doing in that area or how their their mastery of that, and um, it's a heavy burden for them. And and also again. Doesn't speak to free agency and our ability to all progress and grow. Um, I, I do think that when we use anything, whether it be sex, drugs, food, whatever it is, right, to manage our emotions or we feel entitled to something, we take away what it could be, right? We take away. I don't think that, I mean, and every one of the things I just mentioned has a good purpose at some point, right? I mean, medication is a gift, right? But we can abuse these things and hurt each other by our view of them. And so that's my kind of challenge to you. Um, The title of this is, ironically, uh, is How Big Is Your Brave? And I want to talk about why that is. Um I wasn't going to share this podcast with you. Um, this is a preparatory podcast for some other maybe deeper conversations I'd like to have on the topic of human sexuality, But I had to kind of talk to you about, first and foremost, doing your inventory, right? Really looking at where you got your beliefs and where whether or not they serve, right? Um, but my daughter, Aubrey, um, one day I was, you know, contemplating the the next podcast, and the song by Sarah, um, I, can't, I may be saying that wrong, came up on her. I was listening to her song list, right? I was listening to her playlist and it says, and it says, say what you want to say, let the words fall out. And then it talks about how big is your brave? Does anyone know this song? And I'm sitting on this, we're actually in Yellowstone and I'm on this, like I'm at the at the gym, you know, my ear buds in and I'm like crying a little bit on my Stairmaster because I'm thinking about talking to you all about human sexuality, which is something that has been raw and real for me in my growth process and not sure if I can. And then every single song on her playlist after that had to do with courage and bravery and truth and authenticity. I mean, just like, really, <laughs> how, could, how could it be any more clear? And then the thought came to me, Summer, how big is your brave? And I just realized that to give and to receive is the same in God. If I don't give myself freedom to be authentic and real and myself, then I can't kind of energetically give it to anyone in this community either. Right. I have to be free to speak my truth. Um, Sometimes we don't say things because we don't want to rock the boat. Right. Right. Um, but I'm firmly convinced I will not rock boat God's boat today. This is, These are the words I wrote in my journal after this, but rather maybe concepts or projections of what is divinity that you have held, that I have held. Um, this is just one person's reflection, right? On their journey toward the healing divine and it may not be yours, but whatever resonates with you, whatever doesn't fit, please listen to your heart and be clear which part of you uh, you are hearing, right? Are you hearing your fear? Are you hearing... Uh, old voices that don't belong to you or you're hearing your own heart your own soul your own divine feminine self of your female your own divine masculine self we'll get into how we all have these parts i have parts of both mother and father god in me um and so i'm both um but in this case i was really speaking to that divine feminine piece. Um, my my fem my my divine sexuality. And that's the thing. It's divine. We have a tendency to make it like it's this not divine thing. And I think we need to reclaim that. How can we have true oneness? You know, Sexuality is like the physical expression of oneness with your partner. And yet for so many, it's been this kind of difficult, ugly thing or something that it's almost like, oh, I wish I didn't have that desire or something, right? For some, because again, these good girl syndrome that I had. And yet- It's the purest expression of divinity, right? To share that with someone else in true consent and harmony. Um, Too many systems say if you're hearing the divine, it will confirm your viewpoint as if any one system or any one person could contain the immensity and perspective that is the divine. Let me say that one more time. So many systems say that if you are to hear the divine, it will confirm a specific type of viewpoint or your viewpoint, right? Your previous viewpoint, as if any one system of thought could actually possibly contain the immensity that is the divine. God has a unique language with you, and He has a unique path for you if you're brave enough to hear it. Your body is divine, and every part of it is if you're brave enough to feel that your human sexuality is divine, if you're brave enough to explore that. And I'm inviting everyone in this podcast, at least for the next few to go on that journey, to see where maybe you have blocks, where you have beliefs, where you have um, things that you've inherited that don't serve you, that people taught you um, because they were afraid for you, because they wanted to protect you. But there is no fear in God. (laughs) There's only love. Um, And what happens when we play small and we protect ourselves is sometimes we protect ourselves right into a box that doesn't allow us to really grow and heal and see. One of my favorite scriptures is God doesn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power and peace and love and a sound mind. And so I want to send that intention out, that blessing out to all of you today that's listening that you can have a unique perspective. You can look at things through the eyes of God and say, hmm, maybe that way of looking at it isn't serving me. And forgive the system because you can't heal until you forgive, right? Anger, resentment doesn't do any good for anyone, least of all you. We've all been injured by stories about ourselves that we've been given. That's part of life, honestly, is to pick up untruths and then have the courage to reevaluate them in the adult life and let them go. That's really the healing process. Um, People tell us the best they can according to their level of consciousness at the time. I fully believe that when people t- teach me things that love me, they do their best, just like I do my best. But I can tell you, I've had to re-edit and go to my kids as I've learned and grown and teach them new things. If there, those of you who have older kids or younger kids, my gosh, you probably parent the younger ones very different from the older ones if you're at all about learning and growing, right? And so I think it's the same with us. We reparent ourselves, right? We allow ourselves to recognize, number one, you're not a child anymore, right? You're being invited to this adult relationship where you are responsible for the way you show up in the world. You're responsible for taking in information, taking it into your heart, taking it to God, taking it to your true sources, evaluating it, and then living consciously according to your truth. And there's no offloading that responsibility to anyone else, right? To make those choices for you. That's not Adult development, that's child development, right? So I'm inviting all of you to step into that kind of conscious living to think about ways that you may see your body, uh, maybe ways you are living in shame there uh, because until you address that, you can't get into higher levels of growth when it comes to human growth and sexuality. And um, again, my challenge to you today is how big is your brave? Are you willing to do the go on the journey? of doing the excavation work, looking at the beliefs, looking at um, the sources, knowing that they do the best they can, um, looking at the fruits of them. How's it serving? You know, Are you getting closer? Are you feeling freer? Are you feeling more trapped and less like yourself? I know it's not easy to shed things that are good for things that are better. I think it's a lot easier to shed things that are not good or obviously wrong, um, then for things that are better, right. Cause it becomes obvious. But I think that a lot of times it's just, it's not really obvious. You know, our subconscious does a really good job making things look good or keeping them out of our awareness so that we won't be overwhelmed. Right. Or we won't see. Um, and that's why I think it's so important to drop those two feet. Like I've said, from your head to your heart and really let your heart speak to you on these matters and be true to it. So that's my my challenge to you here today. And thank you for joining me in this little conversation. And we'll talk again soon.